Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from the series, The Freedom of Limits, which was taught for Lent in 2021. Our culture speaks a lot about freedom, but usually assumes freedom is escaping any limitations. However, true freedom is found not in rejecting limits, but embracing the limits God has placed on us as His created image bearers. We hope this helps you understand and apply God's Word in your life today. We're going to be continuing our series on the freedom of limits, where we are looking at how we were created, how we are designed by God. In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we're doing this all the way up through Easter. And so we're going to be looking today at freedom as embracing the rhythm of work and rest and why that's so important for us as humans. So we're going to be looking in Genesis 1, verses 26 to 28, chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, and then chapter 2, verse 15. We're kind of really covering all of Genesis 1 and 2, but each week I'm just reading a few verses. They'll be up here on the screen. And you can uh, also follow along in your Bible. I'll be using the New International Version. So hear now the words of your Creator and your Redeemer. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then in chapter 2, the first three verses, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And then finally, in Genesis 2.15, God says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and to care for it. Well, it was actually uh, one year ago, uh, tomorrow was our final gathering in 2020 before the coronavirus hit. If you remember, we were, we were there and dealing with that in early March, and COVID has upset the rhythms of life for everybody. Uh, it has changed the way we do life. And that includes the areas of work and rest. For example, in work, there are many people who either completely lost their jobs or had their hours reduced. For other people, instead of going into an office and working, they now began working from home. And for some of them, the problem wasn't no work or too little work. It, in fact, was too much work was going on. And that made it very difficult to keep any kind of a rhythm going. I know that was a struggle for a number of us when the church first went completely virtual. There was a lot of extra work that went into getting something done. And to be quite honest, I remember rolling into the late spring and being pretty exhausted. I mean, just pretty tired going through everything. So it really messed with our rhythm of life. And that 
happens to us because we are created for a particular rhythm. Again, the point of this entire series I'm wanting us to kind of look at is our culture has this idea that freedom is the removal of any sense of limits. But what I'm contending from the Word of God is that no, because we are actually created by God and we're created a particular way, freedom is actually found in knowing the limits of who we were made to be by God and embracing those limits. And to throw off the limits of who we are is not freedom, it actually is bondage. It leads to breakdown. It doesn't lead to fruitfulness, it actually leads to death and decay. So today we want to talk about a rhythm of work and rest. Now let's begin by talking about the fact that humanity is created to work. You and I are made to be workers. Notice in Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 to 28, God is speaking and he's reminding us this thing that's so key in this whole series that we are made in the image of God. God says we're going to make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule. So theologians, we, you know, go back and forth and they argue over exactly what the image of God is. But one thing that is clear is the image of God and our call to rule over creation are intimately related to one another. Somehow being in the image of God, the maker of heaven and earth, means that we are called to rule over the creation. So notice again down in verse 28, after we're told in verse 27 that God has made us in his image. In verse 28, we're told God blesses us and then says, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over all these things I have made. So it's quite clear, uh, both from verse 26, what God deliberates and says he's going to do. And then in verse 28, when he actually has made man in his image, that our call to work, to rule over the creation, is part of who we are. As those who are created in the image of God, the almighty maker of all that exists, we, uh, in our very nature, are called to be makers. We are called to be workers. So when you think in the creed, you know, the very first line of the creed is, I believe in God the Father almighty maker of heaven and earth. The first thing we confess regarding God is that he is the maker, the creator, the worker who has made all that exists. And God, therefore, when we are in his image, we also are called to be workers. Or as J.R.R. Tolkien used to say, God is the creator, we are sub-creators. Under God, we are called to make. And this is reiterated in chapter 2. Remember, in chapter 2, God kind of gives us a different viewpoint. He moves to the side and tells the same story, but from a little bit different angle, and it kind of expands some things out. And we're told in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, that the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work uh, it and to take care of it. And so humans are placed in a garden home, and they are given work to do. Right off, God says, I want you to cultivate it, and I want you to care for it. This is the same thing that's going on in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. It's the fulfilling of that command. To continue the process. Remember in Genesis 1, as we've been seeing, we begin in Genesis 1, 2, where everything is chaotic. It is unfruitful. It is unfilled. And Genesis 1 is a story of God bringing chaos into order, that which is unfruitful to be fruitful, that which is unformed and unfilled to be formed and filled. And God here is telling humanity, you're my image bearers, 
you're going to continue this work under me. You are responsible for this. Now, this is important for us because, please hear this, all of this is before the fall. So some of you would like tomorrow morning to wake up and say, oh, this is part of the curse. I have to go to work. But it's actually not part of the curse. There is no question the curse and the fall have added uh, frustration to it, but work is God's call for us. You are made to be a worker. I am made to be a worker. And if you look in the discussion guide for this week uh, in the email, and you can check out on the website, there's a whole number of teachings uh, that we've done in the past that developed this idea of calling and work and also the meaning of ruling, subduing, and caring for the creation. If you want to look at kind of more in depth in Genesis 1 and 2, today I'm just kind of giving the big idea that we are called to be workers. So that's the first point, that humans are created in the image of God who works. And so it's inherent to our nature that we work like God and we work for God. Our work is being part of his image, but we're also doing it consciously to and for him. But that's only one side of the coin. The other part of the rhythm that we see in Genesis 1 and 2 is we were also created to rest. And freedom is found in the interplay of these two things. So notice we read in Genesis chapter 2 verses 1 to 3 this very unusual idea that God rested. We read in those three verses, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array, and by the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. And so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. And so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, God here, the picture is not that Moses is saying, God finished. Yesterday, uh, my wife and I went out and, and hiked on the Appalachian Trail with Tim and Cindy and uh, five of the grandkids. And uh, it, was a, it was a fairly strenuous little hike, especially there at the end. And when we got to the top where we had basically been on a vertical climb for quite some time, uh, it was nice to get a breather. I mean, we were like, that was, that was quite the walk. The picture in Genesis 2 is not God said, man, am I worn out. I need a nap. Okay, that, that's not, God doesn't get tired that way. The word there, the Hebrew word for rest, is actually the Hebrew word Shabbat. Can anybody guess what English word we get from that? Sabbath. Okay, it's the Shabbat. And what the word actually means, Shabbat means to rest or more basically to cease, to stop. So God says, look, I've done what I set out to do. It's the end of the seventh day. Everything is completed, notice it says in verse 1, and God had finished the work. And so God doesn't keep working when the work is already done. He knows a proper limit, and he stops. He ceases. God says, it's enough, and I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing. I'm going to Shabbat. But God is doing this not only because in his very nature God knows when it's time to say enough, which we don't always do very well, but secondly, God, though he doesn't need rest, knows we need rest. 
Everything else in creation does need rest because God is the source of all life. Our life is derivative. Our being is derivative. And we need rest. And so God, like a good parent might do with a child, stops and he rests. And we're going to see in just a moment. And he tells us, see, I rested, you rest. I ceased, I stopped, I took a break. You need to do the same thing. Just like you work like I work, you rest like I rested. And so this means human beings are called to Sabbath. The principle of Sabbath is huge in the Scripture. We are called to cease and to rest. Now this is because God has built the very rhythm of work and rest into creation. That's what I'm saying. When we get this out of kilter, which COVID has brought to the forefront, but trust me, we were way out of kilter long before COVID as a society. And you're not finding freedom. To say, I don't need rest, is not freedom. It's bondage. To cease the rhythm of work and rest is not freedom, it's bondage. And either way that we would get it out. So I want you to think for a moment before I even put up uh, out of the Ten Commandments. Remember, the entire structure, when I say it's built right into the structure of creation, what the creation account tells us, how's it broken down, what God is doing, into day and night, okay? Now, remember before we had lights, what happened at night? What did human beings do at night? You, you rested. There, there was nothing else to do. It's, it's hard for us to remember, but, you know, with whatever little stick you could carry around with fire on you, you weren't getting a lot done at night. It's built into the fabric of creation. It's part of the story. Remember, it's the very first thing God does is he says, let there be light, and he calls the light day, and he separates. And he, there's evening and there's morning. There's evening and there's morning. There's this whole structure because God is telling us something. We've got a billion questions about creation that are not there in Genesis 1 and 2. Pay attention to what's there. It's important. And that structure is telling us there's a rhythm. There's a cycle. There's a time for work, and there's a time for rest. And this isn't just something I surmise. Notice how uh, there's also this pattern of six days and then a day of rest. You work for six, you rest for one. And Moses tells us this in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11, or more specifically, God tells us this through Moses. These are actually the words of, of Yahweh speaking to us. In Exodus chapter 20, we're getting the Ten Commandments. And we come to the fourth commandment, or the fourth word, and God says this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So notice he's clearly reflecting on Genesis 2. He says, keep the Sabbath holy. That's because in Genesis 2 we're told God made the Sabbath holy. He says that there were six days of work and then a day of rest. That's coming out of Genesis 2, 1 to 3 again. He's clearly referencing Genesis 1 and 2 as an example and says, God says you need to do the same thing. Now, I'm not going to go into today why for Christians 
the Sabbath, so to speak, has moved to Sunday. I actually talked about that early in the coronavirus last year, if you remember, right after Easter. It's related to the resurrection. But what I want us to focus on this morning is this cycle of six days of labor and then a day of rest. But it's not just the days. Remember, Israel had regular festivals as a time for rest. Multiple times a year, Israel had to go up to Jerusalem. When I began the the, the meeting this morning with Psalm 122, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. There were these festivals where God said, you got to stop. You got to cease. You have to shut down and everything becomes a time of rest. And in fact, it became that what was six days and a day also became six years and a year. And then after seven of those cycles, you had the year of Jubilee, where it was actually after that year of work, you had two years in a row that were off. And all of this is God's gift to humanity and to creation. And it's critical for us to see this. In our culture, people oftentimes approach Sabbath as if it is some kind of a binding thing. It's actually a gift from God to us. He's saying, you don't have to work 24-7. I have arranged things so that you can rest. So we are created to be fruitful, to work, and to grow, but an essential, necessary, uh, you cannot skip it. Part of that is rest. From ceasing from our labor to rejoice and to be refreshed. And again, if you look in the discussion guide for this week, you'll see a whole number of teachings we've done on Sabbath in the past, and you can kind of answer some of the more specific questions. Now, what I want us to think through for the rest of the time this morning is we're going to jump into applying the Word. We're, we're kind of spending more time in applying the Word in this series than we are doing the things because we're unpacking these two chapters for six weeks. I want us to think through what it means to embrace a rhythm of work and rest. Now, the first thing is that true freedom includes meaningful work. A human is not free if they do not work because it's who we were made to be. It's not part of the curse, but it's integral to human nature. Again, there is drudgery, there is frustration, no matter what job you do, there are those things that are difficult. I even, you know, I had imagined if I ever got to become a pastor that maybe there would be no drudgery or frustration. I can assure you there still is, even in doing this. It's never you all, but there is drudgery and frustration that comes with every task we have. But that's part of the curse. That's part of living in a fallen world. But work itself is good. It's part of our humanity. It is God's gift for us. Now, let me also say real quickly, meaningful work is not just something that I'm paid for. It's any way that God uses me to serve another person. This is becoming a theme here this morning as Scott brought it up. So thanks, Joel. You didn't even know you were adding to my sermon all these times you've been talking with Scott. But the idea of any way that I serve God by serving another is the work we're talking about. Or a really better way to look at it is any way that God serves another person through me.
That might be my task and my labor. For me, studying the Word of God tomorrow will be part of that. It used to be I wrote computer code. That was part of that. Or I was a Marine doing Marine Corps things, and that was part of that. But for different people, it might be that I just serve and I volunteer. I serve in the nursery on a Sunday morning. I you know, serve at a pop-up pantry. I you know, go over and I help my neighbor by watching their kids. But it means I'm doing something that serves another person that's integral to who we are. And if we don't do that, what the Scripture calls that is laziness. Okay? Proverbs 26, verses 14 and 15 says this. As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish, and he is too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. That is such a great picture. I mean, I got it down there, and just like, I just can't get enough effort to put it up to my mouth. Okay? And the Scripture says that's bad. Proverbs is full of that. You and I are not created to be that. If you want a good picture of this, Go home and rent the movie Wall-E and watch it, the little cartoon, because there's actually a lot of deep theology going on in there. I mean, there's a lot of deep theology going on in that movie about these human beings who no longer work. They can't even get out of their chairs because little robots are doing everything. We were never created for that, okay? So, and I, again, want to encourage you, if you are interested, and it's in the discussion guide, we did an entire series a number of years ago from 2012 that was titled called and it's about our callings it is essential our worship of god does not stop today you worship god with the works of your hands tomorrow and so do i and everyone in here is called i didn't get called in december of 1993 when i started working for the church I was called when I was a Marine. I was called when I was a computer programmer. I was called when I was a teenager working in a peach packing shed. It, all of those are callings, and it's important for us. But that's all I'm going to say about work, not because it's not critically important, but because if we mess up the, in, in our culture, if we're going to mess up this rhythm, we are more likely to mess it up on the other side. So just like last week, we looked at body and soul, and I said we're more likely today to be denigrating, uh, to misunderstanding the soul and not submitting to the limits of the soul. This week, our problem is more in the area of rest. So the rest of the time, I want to talk about the idea of rest, because true freedom necessarily includes rest. It's built into the fabric of creation. It's stamped on your very nature. And God himself gave us the example. Don't miss that in Genesis 2. God did not need a breather. But he did set an example for you and me. And so true rest is not laziness or sloth, but rather an essential part of our nature. So please hear me on this. This is so important. Human beings are not machines. Our culture has this so out of whack. Think how many metaphors we use today that act like you should be this way because machines are this way. You should be very suspicious of that metaphor. You're not a machine, and nor am I. Machines, you can turn on, and they can just run and run and run and run and run and run and run. You are not made that way by God. We are made that we need to rest. And so if you want freedom, we embrace the limit 
of rest. Because we realize that that limit is freeing. Third point. True freedom is going to include rest for both body and soul. As we saw last week, we're kind of building each week. Last week we saw that we are body and soul. It's necessary to who we are. We have to have a balance between body and soul or else there isn't freedom. Well, that means true rest is going to have to account for body and for soul. It's not just rest for the body, but not for the soul, or just for the soul and not for the body. It includes both. Now, an interesting thing happens in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Moses is recounting the Ten Commandments again. But when he comes to the commandment on Sabbath, and this is really the only one where he does it, he, he makes a little addition to what we just read from Exodus chapter 20. And notice what it is. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 13 and 15, is six days you'll labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Neither you nor your son or daughter, your maid, manservant or maidservant, your ox, your donkey, nor any of your animals, nor the alien within your gates, so that your manservant and maidservant may rest as you do. So first off, notice this is a ceasing and it includes even for your servants. And this is very important because, for example, Aristotle said, here's what it means to really be human. You get a bunch of slaves around you who do all the work so that you can achieve the apex of your nature for which you're created. God says that's bogus. You don't do that. When you rest, you let your servants rest. In fact, even your animals rest. And in the Sabbath year, you let the land rest. And if you don't, you go into exile. There's a little lesson for you. You get sent into exile so that the land will get its rest. But notice he continues in verse 15. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. And that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So notice here he's saying, yes, your bodies need rest and refreshment. And that is because of creation. Six days and one. I'm going back to the creation account. But notice in verse 15, God speaks to his people and says, but here's another reason for Sabbath. Remember very important word in the Old Testament. I want you to remind yourself, you were a slave in Egypt and I redeemed you. I brought you out. And because you are mine, therefore, you're going to keep a Sabbath. You keep it for creation and you keep it for redemption. You keep it because you have a body and you keep it because you have a soul. And both of them need rest. So simply ceasing bodily labor is not the rest for which you and I were designed. Because we are body and soul, we need rest for both our body and for our soul. We need to be refreshed. Notice there in, in Deuteronomy in the text, it says that your manservant and maidservant may rest as uh, you do, um, that there is this idea of complete rest. There's this idea of refreshment. If you look very often in Leviticus and Exodus, when it refers to the Sabbath, it says it's a time for you to be refreshed, renewed, restored. Now, this idea of the soul, you remember these famous words by Jesus, and we're going to come to the Lord's table with these in a little while. Jesus speaks and says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. But notice, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your 
soul. Okay, see, the whole thing that's interesting, of course, the metaphor of a yoke is like with oxen, and it sounds very physical. Israel had called the Torah a yoke, and Jesus says, these things are wearying, but here's where rest is found. You come to me, and you're going to find real rest, rest for your soul. And he offers this to us. So this is essential for us to understand, merely taking a day off from physical exertion but having your soul and your mind cluttered with worry and just filled up with other stuff going on falls far short of the biblical call to Sabbath and rest that is necessary for us. You could not get out of bed all day long and your soul be exhausted by the end. Rest for the soul is very hard in our culture, not least because of these things. They keep going at you and I constantly. I didn't put it up this week, but we did in the past talk about you know, the, the church in the I world and the whole way the I world works, and it's relentless at you and I. It does not want you to rest because they are making money off of you. They are selling you. You are the manservant and maidservant, and they will not let you rest. You're going to have to establish pattern to make sure you rest. I, I've mentioned, you know, I read three dystopian novels at the beginning of the year, kind of even in thinking through this. And in Fahrenheit 451, it's very, very interesting that the main character, the fireman Montag, he's uncovering the idea of books and he started reading books because instead of burning them, he's been saving some of them and he's now on the run and he's going to meet somebody and he's trying to meditate on a book and I think it was out of Ecclesiastes at that point, but he can't because as he's on the subway, the advertisements are just screaming out of the box at him and he's trying to think and he's trying to quote it, but he can't because everything keeps coming at him and there's no stopping and he tries to have a conversation with his wife at one point, but all she's interested in is the big, huge, the, the TV covers the entire wall and it never stops and it never ceases and there's no quiet and you're trying to think but the words keep going and going and going. Boy, is that our culture? That's precisely what we are. I, I was, uh, on uh, Sunday mornings I read Wendell Berry's Sabbath poems and I was reading one this morning and he was commenting about being out in a boat out on a water and I don't remember his exact turn of phrase, I'm not as good as Wendell Berry would be at it, but he says, basically somebody comes by on a motorized boat and he says, we bring our noisy engines to get ourselves out into the quiet place. And I was like, oh boy, that is us. But see, it's the thing of the modern world. There was uh, one of the uh, Impressionist painters had a whole series of uh, paintings called The Bridges of Argentile. And it was because everybody in Paris in the modern world, you know, after the Industrial Revolution, they were trying to get out to the countryside to get out away from it. But the only way they could do it was building railroads out there, which was then, of course, filling the whole place up with noise and trains and all of this stuff. It's the paradox of what we have as a culture. And so, friends, I, I want to encourage you, you need rest for your soul. But that takes effort. You have to purposefully, you have to be as purposeful or more purposeful to shut things down or you won't get it. Those who cannot quiet their soul 
can never experience true Sabbath. And it undermines human flourishing and freedom. And let me say, for a believer, the way we remember and the way we do this, central to that is gathering with God's people for worship. It is part of who we are. It is rest for our soul. To come in, to gather with God's people, to sing. I mean, I was back there this morning and I'm holding my youngest grandchild and I'm whispering in her ear, Lane, Papa loves you. And I'm worshiping, Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. That is rest for our soul. And believers need to understand that. We need downtime for our body, but that is not at the expense of, well, therefore, I don't gather with God's people. No, our soul needs to gather with God's people to remember our redemption, to be refreshed through corporate fellowship, teaching, singing, prayer, and sacraments. It's part of who we are. Now, one or two other things, and then we'll come to the table. A true rest, I want to encourage us, is a sign of God's, that we are trusting in God's provision for us. So you remember, God says it was enough, and he stops. In rest, uh, we cease our labors, both in body and in soul. And it's a sign that we trust that our ultimate provision is from God, not ourselves. I don't have to go all the time. I don't have to run all the time because, see, here's the amazing thing you learn when you take real Sabbath. The universe keeps spinning. It really does. I take downtime, and everything somehow manages to go on. Uh, because, you know, I used to be a computer programmer. I've always kind of been an early adopter of technology. I had to learn to slay these demons. I, I had to learn to get a real day off. Many of you know I, I actually take Friday as a day off because obviously Sunday I'm pretty engaged in other things. I had to start setting an alarm saying just nobody can break through except for my family and the elders and church staff. Nobody else can get through because it'll wait for tomorrow. And you know the amazing thing? The world kept spinning. It really, half the time, you know what the thing is, is I'm so important. Everybody needs me. No, you're not. Nor am I. The world will go on just fine. And so Sabbath, body and soul, I'm not figuring out how I'm going to do it is a sign, God, I trust you. You're in charge. You're running it, and it'll be just fine, and I'll pick up tomorrow. Um, and it reminds us, related to that, that my identity is found in Christ. See, in our culture, think about it, and this is, this is unusual to America. This doesn't happen other places. You meet someone, hi, I'm Brett, hi, I'm Bob. Yeah. What's one of the first questions we ask? What do you do? Because your identity is what you do. Can I tell you, the rest of the world thinks that's weird. That's not their identity. But for us, it very much is. But see, friends, you know what your identity is? See, this is, this is back to body and soul and what we talked about last week. Everybody wants to find our identity in all kinds of things. Your identity is follower of Jesus Christ. Your identity is one who was made in his image, who has been redeemed by him, raised when you were dead in your transgressions and sins, brought to life, covered with his grace. That's your identity. It's not what you do. It's who you are in him. And so when we cease our labors, 
and we rest, body and soul, we're resisting the urge to make my identity be what I do. I've done enough. Look at, look. I stick in my thumb and pull out a plum, and what a good boy am I. See how much I can do? It's a weekly reminder. No, that's not true. Now, let me mention a plan, just, just three-part plan. If you say, well, how would I do this? Let me give you three parts, and we'll come to the table. Number one, you need a daily Sabbath. Remember, Genesis is structured, evening and morning. And I want to tell you, by the way, that's an important little concept there. Prior to the fall, it's evening and morning because you rest and then you labor. Under the law, we labor six days and we get a day off. In redemption in Christ Jesus, we worship and we rest on Sunday because it's by grace and in your works flow from that the other six days. Every day, you need rest. So it's not a Sabbath day, but it means every day you need something that just is a downtime. See, here's what we Americans do. I'm gonna work, 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 and then I'm gonna take a week off to make up for all that time I didn't take off before. I'm going to go without sleep, and then I'm gonna make up for it by having two days where I sleep a lot. It doesn't work that way. We're not, we're not built that way by God. It's not the way he has lovingly formed us. Uh, we, we think this way our entire lives, right? I'm going to work, 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 and then I'm going to retire and do nothing. And I'm going to get all the Sabbath that I didn't take earlier. No, you're not. It does not work that way. We are designed that we need it every single day. Do you have regular time every day rest for body and soul or is life crowding out sleep time in the word prayer okay you will manage life or life will manage you one or the other and i'm telling you this is a great time i i'm praying praying regularly. One of my main prayers out of COVID is, oh God, restructure some sicknesses in our society. Arrange them differently. Here's one right here. Do we set this time aside? How can I build, the key question for you, how can I build rest into my life every day this week? Maybe this evening, late in the evening, you sit down and you think, what am I going to do tomorrow? What's that going to look like? Some of us, it might be turning the devices off or, or putting them down. Or I had to learn years ago, don't check email because I'm the kind of person, you know, I love to-do lists and task lists and I'm a, you know, go get them kind of. So 10 o'clock at night, I'll check my email right before bed and then not sleep because my mind's going about the email I just checked. Okay. What's my plan for rest every day? Secondly, we need weekly Sabbath. God not only gave evening and morning, he said, okay, and then there's six, and you're going to have a weekly Sabbath. I want to urge you, as a Christian, make a conscious decision to set aside Sunday as a day of no work. And what I mean by no work is not just your job, and, and look, there are some people that because you work in a medical profession or something else that we, we understand, and, and we live by grace. But for most of us, set it aside and I don't work. And that also means I don't do menial chores. 
you're not going to come and find me mowing the grass on Sunday because no, no matter how much I would protest, I don't love mowing the grass. I love being out here when it's 100 degrees in August and pushing this mower around. No, you don't. You're a liar. <laughs> it's, it's just, I feel like I've got to get it done. Find another time. Take time off. Let your body be refreshed. Because see, here's the thing. It takes time. They, they've now discovered, you know, when we give ourselves a 24-hour span of time, your blood pressure goes down. Your, your body starts getting deep rest that it needs. Make gathering with God's people a first-rank priority so that your soul can be refreshed. We don't need to be somewhere else. We don't need, back when I used to run road races a lot, I picked my road races by I don't do Sundays. I just don't. Even if I could go run it and then rush here and make it to me, I don't do Sundays. I just don't do that. So I never got to run the Annapolis 10-miler, and I somehow survived. I just, this is a priority, and I want it to be a day of rest. I've got an entirely different rhythm on Sunday morning. I wake up and have cappuccinos on Sunday just to make it a little different than what I normally do because I want it to be a day of refreshment for me, body and soul. Maybe it's a digital detox. Maybe you need to stay off social media <clears throat> till eternity. Um, to stay off of this stuff, but it's anything. It may be a news cycle. What is it that clutters? I've had believers, and thankfully they're not even in, in our congregation, but I've had believers send me articles or videos that everybody's arguing and raging over on Sunday morning. My phone goes off and I'm getting this video. And I'm like, seriously? Like, this is what I need before I go to worship God? People are doing this? What is it that you get that thing and it's like, oh, I can feel my, my gut clenching. Like, that you ought to cut out. You don't need it. And I promise you, God will keep the universe running, whether you pay attention today or you wait till tomorrow. Let it be very different than every other day of the week, a time to let your body and soul rest, be refreshed, and reset for the new week. So the question then is, what do I need to do to make Sunday different and to make sure I use it for rest, body, and soul? So what am I doing daily? What am I doing weekly? And then thirdly, extended Sabbath seasons. Remember, they had festivals. They had entire Sabbath uh, years and even the year of Jubilee. Sometimes you need a longer period of refreshment. One of the things that I notice sometimes when I get away for a few days, I really can feel the blood pressure dropping. It's amazing. Some of us that even struggle with sickness, I remember a couple of years ago, Linda and I were going off on a vacation, and as we were driving over to the place where we were staying, it was rainy, it was cold, she was hurting really bad with the rheumatoid arthritis, it was giving her a lot of trouble, and she normally, Linda has to take these injections, sorry, hon, I'm giving out all your data here, um, she has to take these injections, back then it was once a week, but she usually didn't do it when we were on vacation, but she was hurting so bad she said, I'm, I may have to take it. But here was the amazing thing. She decided not to do it. The weather got better the next day. She was hurting a little bit. By the second day, she was feeling pretty good. By the third day, the fourth day, lack of stress, she felt amazing. And then we came back, and somebody dropped a bomb on us, and, <laughs> and we were right back into it. Okay? It's an amazing thing that it does. Do you have extended periods? Consider a longer season. It might be vacation. 
But it might even be something like right now. Look, I, I stay on social media trying to see what people are saying and doing. Every year I give it up for Lent. It's the easiest thing ever to give up for Lent because it's really quite enjoyable. Because I notice it's like a stressor just reading all the lunacy that people are talking about out there. So you don't have to even go away anywhere. You can just say, I'm just not doing this activity for a period of time. I'm going to just cut that out. I'm going to do it. But what extended Sabbath time can I plan now so that I get extended rest for my body and soul to get deep refreshment? I mean something that is much deeper. And it might be a week off. It might be a few weeks, you know, that it's a staycation or whatever, but we're really shutting down from other stuff. Anything that is not rest and refreshment for me, body and soul. Friends, I want to encourage you to embrace the limit of the Sabbath and find freedom. Now, we're going to come here to the table, and we're going to do this because we're going to remember and we're going to rest in the work of Christ. We're here because he worked, and you and I get to come, and you did nothing. Well, you and I did something for this table. We sinned. We mess the whole thing up. That's the extent. Now what we do is we need to rest and receive. So friends, I want to give you Jesus' invitation. Come to me, all you who are weary and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. If you're a believer in our Lord Jesus, I invite you to the table this morning. Again, you'll have the little packets as I go through in a moment. There is a little strip on top. If you've never used them, you'll pull the first little part off for the bread. And then the second part for the uh, cup. So friends, I invite you to our Lord's table. For what I received from the Lord Jesus, I pass on to you. That the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And he'd given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out so that your sins may be forgiven. Drink from this, all of you, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord Jesus, in your body you work salvation for us, perfectly obeying the Father's will, fulfilling our obligations to God. And in your body you suffered and died in our place, forever paying the penalty for sin and restoring our relationship to God. You were broken in our place so that we might be made whole. 
we give you thanks and we receive your work with gratitude. Brothers and sisters, take and eat. Lord Jesus, your blood was poured out to seal the new covenant, forgiving our sins and securing all the covenant blessings of God for us. We, can free, we freely confess that we are saved, not by our works, but by yours, O Christ. In taking this cup, we rest from our labors and our works and attempts to earn the Father's favor. And we simply receive your righteousness and grace and the cleansing of all of our sins. Brothers and sisters, take and drink. Friends, let's stand together, and I'm going to conclude with prayer and then a blessing uh, out of God's Word in Psalm 90. Lord, you are the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. You do not grow tired or weary, and your understanding no one can fathom. You give strength to the weary and increase the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But you have promised that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So today, we wait upon you taking a Sabbath rest from all our labors. Renew and refresh us by your Spirit as you have promised. Fill us with your covenant blessings until we overflow. And then, O oh Lord, as we return to our work tomorrow, may we serve you faithfully with all our might, fulfilling our various callings and serving you by serving others. Father, we thank you for the gifts of creation and especially for your kind gift of rest. And Lord, we look forward, even at this table, to our eternal rest where we will behold your face and eat at your table, and rejoice in serving and worshiping you forever. Lord, we ask all of this in the name of Jesus, who has promised and given true rest for our souls. And God's people say, amen. Brothers and sisters, may the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. May he establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. And may he grant us rest to rejoice and be refreshed through Jesus Christ our Lord. You are blessed. Go forth and be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.